Hey everybody, it's Soul here with another episode for the Moon Medicine Force. Welcome back, guys. Thanks for listening to my past broadcast about the wolf beings in America. Um, I know I'm covering a lot of controversial uh, stuff that's covered along the lines of supernatural, aliens, conspiracy stuff. Um, I know it's pretty out there, so thanks for bearing with me this far to make it to episode 2. I'm excited to release this one because today I'll be talking about reptilians for a starseed episode. So, what I'd like to say first and foremost is some of my content is conspiracy theory for this episode and should not be taken as 100% truth. I picked out parts that I agreed with due to personal experience and research. Draconians, also reptilians, are not all bad and not every human is one or controlled by one. Because a lot of people think that these beings control or disguise themselves as human. Most of my content is controversial and may upset or concern individuals. Listener's discretion is advised. And if you really like this episode, please feel free to follow the Moon Medicine Force on Discord, Anchor, and Spotify for more episodes. So, without further ado, I'll be starting with the first point for understanding reptilians. Now, first off, star seeds. I'll have to cover that in a whole nother episode. But, uh, in short, star seeds, extraterrestrials, and aliens are all, like, kind of related. Everyone thinks that we all share alien DNA, which I believe is true. Um, there's that thing called junk DNA in the human DNA genome, and all that really means is they don't know what it is. There is no such thing as junk when it comes to the human body. Everything's in there for a reason. Just because you don't know what it is doesn't mean it's junk. But that's just my opinion. So, reptilians. They are basically what the name describes them to be, reptile-like beings, and they're also known as draconians, and I just want to start off with referencing the book that helped me understand them a bit more, even though I didn't fully agree with everything in the book. Let's just say I only agreed with maybe about, I would say, 50% of the book. It's a conspiracy theory book. It's called Alien World Order, The Reptilian Plan to Divide and Conquer the Human Race by Len Kasten. You can get this on audiobook as well, or you get the paper book version offline off of Amazon. That's where I got my copy from. I like to have hard copies because I listen to audiobooks first, and then I get hard copies afterwards if I really like the book. But this book I got as a reference. So I could do an episode like this because, honestly, um, I'm a very visual person, so I have to go back and look into stuff that I've listened to on audiobook that I have to go back and read, and I don't know, it's just easier to understand something that you can actually see sometimes. But the author goes over the origins of the Draconian race and their coming to Earth. Um, they're 
described as coming from the constellation Orion. And they're an empire of sorts in their end of the galaxy. And uh, they, they have a very large but also vague history. And what I mean by vague history is that you only hear like the major points of some of their history. And their history is basically revealed to the author through a person called Robert Morningsky. And he is a speaker of extraterrestrials, but when you go to research him online, you can't find much of anything that um, about this guy. Which I find is really strange, because you can't find much about him online. Um, I don't know if... That, that only means two things. Either he's heavily censored online, or he's a fake. Like, just made up character based off of a uh, Native American uh, spokesperson or representative. Um, I'm not sure about either of these things. That's why I had to take this book with a grain of salt, so to speak, because it's very hard. It was hard for me to find actual uh, credibility on this front, at least for myself. I mean, I found very little information about this guy online that this author references, but supposedly he blows in the entire uh, race and origins of the reptilians and so I'm going to read some of that for you so that you can have a little tidbit of some of the information I came across. This is information that I was able to agree with because of my years of experiences and research with uh, extraterrestrials and just kind of getting more serious about it now. And uh from what I gleaned from my psychic telepathic communications, um, I was able to kind of agree with these points because they're pretty much the most common things that I've been hearing from contactees, uh, abductees, and anyone that specializes in the field of, of psychic phenomena. So. That I found is pretty striking. You gotta admit, something's going on when everybody that doesn't know each other is all saying the same thing, right? So I'm gonna go over what Robert Morning Sky talks about on pages 18, 19, and 20. And he talks about how there's another race of extraterrestrials and then there's the reptilians that sprouted up let me see let me make sure I'm starting at the right section because I don't feel like stopping this every time <laughs> so I'm just gonna have it record as it records as I go through my stuff for you guys to listen to Robert Morning Sky also He also quotes uh, Plato and says, 
The early Keb humanoids were tall and rather slender, but their slim build was deceptively powerful. So these are like the uh, evolutionary origins of the Draconians. They were very limber and fast, capable of running on narrow trails and passing through thin passages, and they could fly up and down, side to side, and so fast that they seemed to blur. They also had long, sharp claws on the hands that they were developing. They would cut and rip in savage quickness, and they had large, square jaws with sharp, rigid teeth that could cut a limb off with one snapping bite. They had powerful legs that let them run quickly and leap through the air with extraordinary speed and agility. Their emotionless black eyes could intimidate the hardest enemy warrior. And remember, Matu, they could fly. The drone, Keb, were among the most vicious creatures of the green world. They were efficient and deadly hunters, and they were cold-blooded killers. Of all the species that could evolve from the that could evolve on the green world, it was the reptilian bee humanoids, the Keb, who would rise to become the most dominant life form of the world. As millions of years of their evolution continued to go by, the Keb people lost most of their very distinct reptilian and insect features of their ancestors. Not all their physical traits disappeared entirely. Though their height began to vary slightly, the Keb people generally remained tall and white and quite slender. And as is the case with all beings born of reptilian ancestors, they possessed little or no hair on their bodies, and they had very little hair on their heads. Their torsos retained the hourglass shape of their long-ago dragonfly bee ancestors. Males had broad chests and narrow waists, large and powerful buttocks, with strong thighs and tapering calves. Reptilian females had the same shape, but with a more delicate and feminine curve to their bodies. Their faces were still triangular, tapering to a pronounced yet soft point. They had large, dark eyes, larger than most humanoids, and they possessed an almost hypnotizing beauty. Their mouths were also larger than most beings, but with smaller lips, when closed, the mouth of the reptilian people seemed almost to disappear. And though they had mo- although- sorry. And though they had lost the extremely large fangs of their ancestors, their eye teeth were still long and sharp, and quite functional, so they have fangs. The long proboscis used to drain the blood of their victims was also gone. It had given way to an angular nose, sharp and narrow, and it, and it too was strangely appealing. It may surprise you, Matu, but the reptilian people were a physically beautiful people. Their limbs were graceful, their bodies were alluring and shapely, and with their large dark eyes and fluid walk, the reptilian females were known to be some of the most beautiful women in the galaxy. The reptilian people were handsome and fearsome, beautiful and deadly, and they could fly. In ceremony, when dressed in their flowing robes, in the best finery their world had to offer, the male and female reptilians could hover lightly as if on angelic wings, but they were the hand of death itself, hidden in shining gossamer. So these people are very beautiful, alluring, and they, they evolved from a home world that what I 
perceive as a very highly dangerous homeworld, so they had to evolve this way. Now, I'm trying to approach it with a not so sided opinion about them because not all of them are bad or good. Uh, mostly you'll see on the internet that they're very negative and bad and uh, th that's just because on our planet right now most most of our attacks that we have are from the negative or bad group of them and what they call the light workers, the light side is pretty much trying to clean up the mess or stay out of it. At least the light side draconians. Um, the negative ones are what you see all over the internet of like Queen Elizabeth was a reptilian and she eats children and babies and stuff like that. Um, but the way I see it that these people had to evolve a certain way. So there's a reason why they are very fearsome, very violent, and I believe that has everything to do with their evolutionary process. So it sounds to me like they were a insect lizard-like people that evolved into more reptilian-like ways, but then because they're evolving more into upright walking beings, you see that humans are no, they're, they're not a unique, we're not a unique species, if you really think about it. There was many different species of hominids back in the day when humans evolved. Uh, I forget the exact number, but they, but they have discovered many, many species of humans. Most famous one of all that I could use the example is Neanderthal or Denisovans. Um, those are different races of humans that all evolved from the same ancestor. And so we all evolved to walk upright. We all looked similar, but we all were different species of hominids. So it's not too far-fetched to think that there's life on other planets that could evolve the same way. And if you think there's no life on other planets that could be sentient like us, then you need to rethink because that's pretty naive to think that way. We are not alone in the galaxy. We are not the only planet in the entire universe that has life on it. There are many other planets like our planet out there. They just vary slightly. They all had different cer certain conditions that gave rise to certain beings and animals and plants that evolve on their worlds. And I think we still need to go into the direction of considering the possibility that some of these beings can make it to our planet and they can be more, way more advanced than we are and can enable themselves to let's say, hide on our planet, or survey our planet, or get involved in our planet and somehow to have a hand as to how we shape and evolve. Now, as these people evolved, they were very... they became warlike, and they were... they are described in this book 
Robert Morningsky describes them as very terrifying during war because some of these planets that these draconians took over a lot of these people that were taken over by them didn't have much of a fighting chance because these draconians or reptilians were described as literally blotting out the sky with flying into these areas and taking them over and they're very once they take over a place they decimate the entire area um, as far as relieving it of other life forms um, for a while it was very the book describes it as for a while these people were ruled by male rulers until one day they switched into more of a female ruling system and how they came about that was that they got they started off with female warriors because as they evolved they realized that the female warriors were developing venom that was beneficial to their war efforts and their survivability efforts so I'm gonna read that too that's on page 26 of the book page 25 and 26 sorry so I'm gonna read the little section too it's just like the last one on their homeworld, females were bathed constantly with harsh solar radiation from their multiple suns. Pulsing solar forms forced a rhythmic influx—sorry, uh, eh, my face—influxation. Uh, that's my MS kicking in on my face. In their reproductive cycles, forcing them to produce a chemical in their bodies that would assist in regulating the birth and conception process but in the vast reaches of space away from home world suns and away from the forces that generate internal bodily cycles the female fluctuation stopped entirely the menstrual cycles of the female reptilians ceased altogether in space reptilian females could still conceive and bear children but only through the direct and deliberate stimulation of the conception hormones. What this means is that reptilian women had no menstrual cycle. They could completely choose when and if they wanted to become pregnant. So it's kind of like a natural birth control is what I'm, what I'm seeing. And he says, but to everyone's surprise, the natural venom of the reptilian females became even more deadly than it had ever been before. Under battlefield conditions, the rush of adrenaline running through the bloodstream of women added to the potency of the venom. To the pleasant surprise of the kings and to the misfortune of their enemies, because of the natural transformation of the venom and because of the added adrenaline influence, the naturally produced venom of the reptilian females rendered them far more dangerous and far more deadly than any of the male reptilian warriors. Still capable of spitting a hot, deadly poison at the eyes of their enemy, the new venom now virtually assured death to any soldier on the battlefield who confronted the reptilian females. So the females became a force 
basically the epitome of a force to be reckoned with. They evolve further to pretty much just naturally outdo the males. Um, I guess that's what happens when it's kind of like today, right? Where a lot of girls go on birth control and because they don't have to worry about getting pregnant, they don't have to have a serious relationship or get married, right? So they can choose when, how, and whoever they're with, they can choose when, how, and to get pregnant. So it's pretty much the same thing that's happening here with human society, pretty much. I'm not saying us women are are taking over the planet, but I'm just saying, like, birth control in any form gives women an advantage because men can't have children unless you're a seahorse. Well, nope. Seahorse can't even produce children themselves, right? They just incubate them. <laughs> so, I mean, if you can get back to me, let me know which animal actually is a male that produces live young, um, that can conceive and produce live young, let me know. Um, I know there's just several animals out there that can reproduce and have the males take care of the young or stuff like that, but in this standpoint, the evolutionary advantage was for the draconian females when they entered in the battlefield because they realized that it shocked their enemies too when they used the females. Um, the females did just as well as the males and due to the space exploration and implementing them further into their society, they realized that the females were a lot better and they started a basically a selective breeding program by by natural means if if you really think about it because the females had the choice to decide who they could have children with they if they didn't want to have children they didn't have to and uh, so this created pretty much a diverse schism between the two genders of the races because the males were the book describes where the males were eventually uh, they eventually evolved more where they were smaller than the females or you know they specialized in a lot of uh, attractability towards the uh, beginnings of the females seizing power in the Empire and they decided that you know if males can have all of these wonderful things why can't we and the the re the reason the power shifted was because one of the kings uh, mysteriously died or got assassinated so his queen or wife took over the Empire and from then on, like, she just made sure that the females were getting as much power as the males had ever had. So, this kind of turned things completely on its head. Um, they eventually 
got into techniques with their society with mind control and military use. And <clears throat> I was going to go over the mind control, but I'm not really going to go over that very, like, reading it from the book. I was going to tell you what I know, basically, is that they use psychic waves or telepathic projections to control other people nowadays, but they also implement the use of psychedelic drugs like opium or the THC and marijuana. Um, I'm not going to tell you to stop smoking marijuana or use uh, drugs or stop using any kind of drugs, legal or illegal, but I am going to tell you that they experimented for many, many, many years with drugs and psychedelic stuff and technology on how to enhance the brain and how to control the brain, how to influence the brain. They also delved very deeply with genetic modifications because, let's face it, the females developed a super venom, so to speak. So, of course, their scientists are going to take serious interest in promoting the advancement of their military technology, their space exploration technology, and the DNA gene pool of their species. Because this is how they were able to endorse further modifications for attractiveness and biotechnology. And they eventually came across a planet, which ties into my first episode, by the way. Uh, they eventually came across a planet where they found a race of beings that utilized technology that was uh, camouflaging-like technology. They, The book references that they uh, excavated asteroids and used the asteroids as an outer shell for their spaceships in order to travel through space, and they were another warlike race, and they looked like wolf beings. Now, these are... I firmly believe that these are the wolfen that I'm talking about. The book uses the word wolfen to give them a name, but I am calling wolfen after the book that I read, that I... that this book led me to because I wanted to make sure that this was like true but I just dubbed the name more of Wolfen because that's the generalized term for these people. I really don't think we all know the actual name of these people yet. I believe that was probably absorbed into the Draconian race when they absorbed them. They basically per they basically proposed an alliance between these people. They needed more soldiers. They didn't want to keep wasting draconian lives because if they didn't have to do it, they made sure that they invested in something where it, as they didn't have to use so many draconian lives. So they proposed an alliance with these beings, the Wolfen, and... They basically, what they did was exchange technology and information. And this is how, where P. 
people talk about the moon, by the way. The moon's hollow. Now, we're all trying to figure out why it's hollow. The book suggests that it's a Death Star spaceship. Now, you're probably wondering, Soul, this is... This is uh, now gonna be Star Wars. Like, why are you quoting Star Wars? Like, this is definitely a crackpot situation. Well, Star Wars is influenced and inspired by and directly influenced by the stories about reptilians. Uh, Star Wars is even based off of a certain, I think, book or film that I tried looking up. So, um... The creator of Star Wars made a kind of like a uh, hidden message type film display based off of all of these stories. And I checked it out. It it checks out because that's what the book says. So it, it does check out on this point. And the moon is an actual Death Star. It's just a station now for them to monitor Earth from. And so that's, that's what I've come to find. You can take it or believe it or whatever. Um, like I said, I talk about pretty controversial stuff here. Um, but the moon also plays in, in part of the mind control because they discovered that certain waves or radiation waves or any kind of vibrations, they also call her energy vibrations, they influence the mind to a certain degree. You could do research about this and find out that this checks out because mind control is a whole nother episode in itself. I'm just going to gloss over just the basics. I just want to give you the basics about reptilians. I don't want to delve in too deeply on any specific subject like evolution or mind control because that's not what this episode's about but if you really want to see an episode about something send me a voice chat on anchor or message on the discord and i'll do an episode about it including any kind of questions you have now the book also suggests that people of wealth and power are mind controlled or influenced or are reptilians themselves book also heavily references World War One and Two, suggesting that they were heavily influenced by the reptilians. Now, what I didn't mention earlier, that I should probably mention now, is that reptilians also evolved in a biotechnology that they got from the wolfen. They perfected it even further and used it to disguise themselves on other planets so that they can infiltrate the planet, influence it, and take over it without even having the planet struggle against them. And what I mean by planet, I mean by the sentient beings that live on it. That is their goal because they want to expand their empire. Those that are here on Earth, though, are disconnected from the actual empire. If you really think about it, they themselves are a rebel group of Draconians. These are the negative Draconians. What I've been finding out is that in the Empire, it's pretty much half and half. Pretty much like how it is on Earth, where there's good and bad people, and in between, that's the Empire. Now, 
the group that's here on Earth, they're not part of the Empire anymore. They seized back power and have a patriarchy now, where men rule it now, but they do have certain respect for the women. Um, just because the women have evolved the way they have. Now, if you want to know how I get all this information, I've researched a lot, I read a lot, and I have some personal experiences with these beings, and I will get to that later on in the episode. But I also wanted to go over the fact that they can disguise themselves, and it looks like a little hologram that also influences your brain to register as a person. That's when they're disguising themselves as a person. But they mostly prefer to influence or mind control an actual human so that they don't accidentally get discovered because they do get impatient, they do have impulses. Uh, the negative reptilians do not like humans. They see us as their slaves, their property. They don't see us as their equals. So that's why they use the uh, cloaking technology, if you want to think about it. But it's also biotechnology. They stole technology from the Wolfen. Right now, the Wolfen are rebelling against the reptilians here on Earth because they are also stranded here with them. But it's not, but here's the thing it's not the entire race of them are here, it's a fraction, it's a group. And they've been here a very long time, and they have a very long, dark agenda. And the Wolfen, they don't, they can't care about humanity right now, because right now they care about the fact that their treaty got violated here on Earth. So they're busy protecting their own skins and trying to uh, reclaim their stolen technology and stuff like that. But the reptilians here on Earth, uh, they, they're, they, they have no good plans for humanity. What they want to do is still unclear, but they've been mixing a lot of DNA with ours. They've been abducting people. They do have many other races at their disposal that they brought here with them, which are the insectoids and the gray aliens, which I can do a whole episode about those two. But the gray aliens they use as like their little gatherers. If you really think about it, the reptilians don't want to lift a finger for anything. They're not entirely lazy, if you think about it. To them, they're not lazy. To us, we probably see that as laziness. But they're actually, they literally do act like a king or queen towards other species of beings. They literally look down on everyone, these negative beings. They are not pleasant. They are very scary for some people. And I just want to bring this up. Let me bring, let me pop this up on my computer. I do follow some things on Reddit. And I know I've been pretty uh, blunt and honest on Reddit with, uh, my voice about dogmen and wolfmen, 
but I decided to follow the reptilians reddit online and I really do hate to say it, I don't like going out of my way to disagree with people, but sometimes the points that they have on the reddit for reptilians is pretty out there. Some of it is, in my opinion, fear generating, fear mongering. And they proposed a question actually today that I noticed that someone, uh, I'm gonna not name names, but you could probably find it yourself on their Reddit. And they're just curious, you know, they're, they're just, uh, wondering how to spot reptilians in society because they've deducted and been told that the reptilians can disguise themselves as humans. So they proposed on Reddit saying, people with autism, Asperger, ADH are reptilians? I know it sounds like a stupid proposal, but if we think about it, the erratic way of acting that they sometimes have and together with the ambiguity, sorry, my MS, <laughs> ambiguity of why people have these disorders, quote unquote disorders, it could be that. I'd just like to know your opinion about it. It's a very valid question, but I had to reply to it because I feel like I can see a whole bunch of people out there like uh, it's just I don't think it's a very good question to be putting out there on the reptilian reddit just because these people have a disorder that they can't help and it's has nothing to do with them being aliens by any means so I'm gonna read you what I read what I replied and just, just so you know, like, I do not support, uh, bullying or anything, and my intention is not to bully, so I'm gonna read what I, what I posted in reply. I wrote, um, no. By proposing this question, you could inadvertently cause social harm towards people with autism, Asperger, ADH. There are already some people out there who actively look for reptilians and use lethal means. Even suggesting such a thing or questioning it is not advisable in my opinion. Just because, in my opinion, I've seen many YouTube videos about people with their shotguns or guns in general going out there and shooting people and killing actual people because they think they were reptilians. And it's very, uh... It's very sad when that happens. I also wrote, trust me, reptilians do not put their behaviors out there for the world to see 24-7. They're often mistaken for demons, shadow people, dragons, mythological reptiles, god gods, Satan, Lucifer, and negative violent people. I assure you very strongly that they do not present themselves as people with disabilities like the ones you describe. They always disguise themselves as average people or a person of leadership when using a human alias. They reveal in the human being, oh, sorry, they revel in the human being a servant, loyal, borderline, obsessed like attention where they are your superior and it is never obvious, just subtle enough for them to know that you will do everything they ask of you. These are usually the controlling people, the people that abuse their family members, cultists, the murderers and child rapists. The hard part is that it is hit or miss. It is actually them 
The hard part is that it's hit or miss if it's actually them or their psychic waves controlling someone. Remember though, not all reptilians are evil. Just like humans, they have good and bad people too. What I described was the negative force that is constantly targeting Earth itself. A reptilian that is working for the light will never engage in such negative behavior. They're usually too busy trying to clean up the mess that the negative side constantly spreads. Too busy to show themselves to anyone other than contactees when they do have the time. So I felt that was important to mention the Reddit post because this Reddit posts everything about reptilians. All the misconstrued misconceptions, all the craziness, and I don't know, I don't <clears throat> I don't condone fear-mongering. I don't condone uh, putting people in needless panic. And that's what a lot of the stuff about reptilians online does because it's very hard to distinguish between what is the truth, what is obscured, what is just a blatant lie out there. It's very hard to determine what's what on the internet. And when I see on Reddit... That they're asking if people with disabilities could be aliens. Well, in my opinion, on that front, there's been many contactees and abductees where they have had children with a disability like autism, Asperger, or ADHD. And they are children that are either hybrids or conceived with extraterrestrials. Um, they are not necessarily draconian reptilians. They are not necessarily 100% pure human. They could be 90-95% human. They could be 60-70% to 70 human. But they don't... They definitely do not express... When you go... If you wanted to get your child tested because you think you might have gotten abducted and inseminated by an alien and that they might be half alien, you're not going to know because we don't have the technology to identify alien genomes and know exactly which alien it came from. So I'm just telling you not to be worried about that because in all reality, um, the book also goes over all the things like fluoride or lots of silver or metal flakes in our food and stuff. Stuff that can't be helped that gets in there and then there's stuff that's intentionally in there like added hormones, all that stuff. Some of that is contributed to the reptilian conspiracy which I don't know. I, I'm not too sure about that. It's such a gray field that's why I didn't want to uh, cover too much of that because it also ties into the mind control aspect of it. It causes a lot of health problems, and they do have a hand somewhat in all the health problems that we go through today, but it's such a great area, that's why I'm not really covering it, because I, I'm not fully convinced, nor am I a specialist in that area. So, I also want to mention that if you research a little bit online about reptilians and that, you may or may not come across a uh, a film that's called Oats Trailer 2017 by Dakota Fanning sci-fi action movie. 
I would look that up on YouTube and you'll see that that is probably a little drastically more dramatized version of what I'm talking about with the reptilians but it's also the most accurate and very close description that I can think of for reptilians. Now, if you want to check it out, I'll be happy to, uh, I I believe I posted it on my Discord for the Moon Medicine Force. So I do post videos on there, so if you want to check out videos, join the Moon Medicine Force on Discord, and you can watch them. Now, also, reptilians are associated, you'll, you'll hear them associated here and there with the missing 401 cases. That's a whole nother episode that I will be releasing at a later date. Now, the missing 401 are people that have gone missing and they have no reasonable explanation as to their disappearance and some of them, if they are found, are always found dead. And it's all out in wilderness and they all have the same circumstances, the same areas and they're all they all go missing in the same areas and there's no reason for them to go missing so the missing 401 is a very interesting very interesting case um i want to leave it at that for that but i wanted to also share a youtube vid see if i can have it uh be playing while i'm recording if it's too loud please forgive me but i'm gonna see if i can get to play Alright, so this video is called Ridiculous Number of Kids Missing in Oregon. Every year, hundreds of people are reported missing in national parks and forests, many of them children. And most are eventually found, whether dead or alive. But a small percentage of the cases, some right here in Oregon, are never solved. The mystery those cases present has one man wondering if there's a common denominator behind the disappearances that have search and rescue crews continuing to scratch their heads. We turned around and here was this little toddler walking out of the fog with absolutely no clothes on at all. It's it's trouble. Every month in almost every state, people go into the wilderness and don't come out. Stories like that are what fueled David Politis. Forever rifling newspaper archives and badgering federal agencies for public records, he's discovered more than 400 cases of people who wandered into the wilderness but never came back. There are so many missing kids in Oregon, it's ridiculous. Accounts of children, people, vanishing, seemingly swallowed up by the many endless forests across America or even later found in ways that defy logic. These were unusual things that don't make sense that happened to cluster together, cluster together in three to four, sometimes as many as 20, 30 people missing at one location. He's mapped out what appear to be more than 30 clusters of vanishings in forests and national parks coast to coast. Some of those clusters and cases right here in Oregon, all of them documented and described in his two books. According to Oregon State Police, there are 41 missing children 
in Oregon. And now also in the movie Missing 411, releasing in a couple of months. In a lot of these cases, search and rescue or the volunteers searching people have already gone over certain areas, not once, not twice, but even dozens of times. And then the child is found there maybe a year, maybe a few years later. The search coordinators themselves are baffled by it too. The ones they don't think is criminal in nature. Once a cop, Politis got hooked on the inexplicable, intriguing, and mysterious missing persons cases only after a government employee knocked on the door of his hotel near Park Service Land and confided in it, sharing stories about people disappearing at national parks like Crater Lake and Yosemite. The ranger described to me, if you were standing straight up and you just had your shirt or just had your pants on, and you melted directly into your pants. That's what it looked like to him. The pants were laying on the ground in a very neat pile. Just one of many accounts in his books that leave search crews wondering if they'll ever find closure. And after seven years of research, we found that they replicate themselves in these geographical clusters around the U.S., one of those clusters being Crater Lake. Ten years ago, Coin6 covered the search and rescue effort for eight-year-old Samuel Belke, who had a mild form of autism and feared loud noises and bright lights. So when Sammy darted away from his father near Cleetwood Cove at Crater Lake, the many searchers could not use the customary air horns and whistles to try and find him. Well, Sammy's family uh, has let us know that one of the things he likes to do is to curl up in small spaces. Any of these uh, spaces where you could uh, fit a small person or places that we'd want to be searching. When him and his dad went up to Crater Lake and uh, they were on a little vacation, the circumstances behind his disappearance and the subsequent inability of the Park Service to find him is unusual. And they brought in canines. Canines couldn't pick up a scent. They brought in air support. They couldn't find him. Uh, a multi, multi-day search couldn't locate the boy. Eight years earlier, another eight-year-old boy, Derek Engebretson, vanished from this spot, a densely wooded mountainside above Upper Klamath Lake, not far from Crater Lake National Park. Now we got a dog up here, I guess. We took some, some of my brother's clothes, and we got a dog up here who's going to try to sniff him out or something. Search and rescue crews spent more than 10,000 hours looking for Derek, but still haven't found a single clue. When... Derek was out there with his dad and his grandpa. They, somehow or another, he just walked around, didn't go far. There was snow on the ground. They should have been able to track him, and he vanishes. That's another case that you search an area, uh, you have good information, you, you go right to where they were, and they're just not there. I mean, after all this time, they still do a yearly search for that. They, uh, the search team goes out and does a training, and they'll go back and search that area every year. Scott Lucas is the search and rescue coordinator at Oregon's Office of Emergency Management. He says it's only one or two percent of the missions they launch that don't return answers, but they average about 900 searches a year. Multnomah County coordinator, you know, he, he told me personally a couple months ago he's baffled by the ones he can't find. He just, you know, where do they go, where do they disappear to, or they just don't want to be found. So, and, and that comes into play too. And yet, 
Oregon does have its share of miraculous and mystifying survival stories also. Just kind of got tunnel vision, you know, and just kept focusing in on walking down this one road. I really had no idea where I was going. Cody Sheehy was just six years old when he wandered off deep into the Wallowa wilderness. Search crews and two helicopters with FLIR technology couldn't find a trace of him in the rugged woods, dampened by a cold mixed snow and rainfall. In almost all these cases, they bring in helicopters with FLIR, forward-looking infrared radar, to look for heat signatures on the ground. They can't find a heat signature. That's unusual. But the next morning, 15 hours later and 20 miles away, Cody walked up to a house and asked for help. I was physically at the end of my rope that next morning. And if I hadn't been in a situation where people found me at that time, um, I don't know how I would have done for another night out there. I could easily have died. More than 30 years before Cody's harrowing experience, another astonishing story unfolded near Pendleton, where two-and-a-half-year-old Keith Parkins ran and stumbled over a dozen miles of snow-covered timberland and mountains before he was found 19 hours later, stiff and cold, but alive. I mean, to me, being a parent, I can't see my two-year-old climbing over two mountain ranges in the dark. That's pretty hard to believe. And there's some cases where little kids are alleged to have walked up to 20 miles overnight or climbed phenomenal heights, three and 4,000 feet. And those are facts, and it's highly, highly hard to believe. Yeah, I'm not not as uh, overly mystical person. Um, I don't think I didn't encounter anything to my memory that was unusual, other than the fact that that situation was extremely unusual. Sheehy is alive, but the fate of others like Derek Ingebretson and Sammy Belke are why Politis keeps digging for answers. In Belke's case, we interviewed one of the local sheriffs that was involved two days after he disappeared about this incident. And I won't say what he said, but it's in the movie. It's, it's pretty stunning. point politis doesn't offer any of his own theories for what happened he does tell me his books just report the facts of the missing persons cases and that he doesn't believe in the paranormal per se so that's the video for the ridiculous amount of kids missing in oregon with the missing 401 so the reason why i had you listen to that was because it does pertain bit towards more stories about the reptilian draconian race they also supposedly drink blood eat meat and also prey upon humans in some of these missing 401 places um child abductions human trafficking uh black market organ trading cultist movements uh, they're all, the negative side of the reptilians are all associated with that. Um, they're blamed. I don't know if it's, this is entirely true. I believe they do have a certain amount of direct involvement with the missing 401, but I don't think all of them deal with them. Uh, notice they mention an autistic child. Some of the, 
they've concluded that if you watch the Missing 401 movie, that all of these children or people have some kind of underlining disability or uh, ailment like deafness, uh, lameness, or something that's obvious or not obvious. And a lot of these people that have health issues are preyed upon, so to speak. And it's not too far-fetched that aliens or extraterrestrials would take an interest in some of these people because it furthers research about how the human population is doing. So I just want to definitely get to the fact that they do monitor Earth. They do, uh, you know, they want to know how the human race is progressing, whether it's for negative or positive means. That's for any extraterrestrial. But the draconians and reptilians, I want to also share my personal experience with them. All my life I've had several experiences. Uh, I have written down in my journal book here my experiences with anything that's psychic or paranormal. Mainly extraterrestrials. So I just want to mention that if you, you can do a whole bunch of research. You can look at the Chariot of the Gods. You can look at uh, the author for that and all of his works and everything. His works are very uh, scientific and not really personal. I like to bring a bit of my personal experiences into this because that way, you know, I'm experiencing these things. I'm not, I've been screened mentally for these things. I'm not crazy. Some of these things, if I feel that they're not entirely real, I'll admit it, admit it out right then and there. Or I might say, you know, this could influence my experience and it may invalidate it. But at the same time, it shouldn't be ignored. I've had several, several dreams of, of reptilians. And it's really weird when you have the exact same dream over and over again. For several, I would say several months at a time. Uh, when I was little, mostly, like, this This is what I want to say. Mostly extraterrestrials or any beings that specialize in psychic telepathy communication, they like to introduce themselves to you through your mind first because they know that you'll be afraid of them. Because humans are afraid of anything that's different. I mean, look at what's going on in the news right now with racism and people being different just by skin color which I don't support that by the way I believe you know I'm not invalidating what's going on but I am just expressing that you know something like pigment should not dictate your life and how you go about it um, people should show respect to one another and love one another and that's what I've experienced with my telepathic communications but when I was little, I can't tell you, like, how many years ago this was, but I know that this was, like, when I was really little. I remember probably between five and eight years old, I had a dream for several nights in a row. I would say maybe probably a lot longer than I realized that I would have a dream that I got captured by Satan and taken to a 
basement somewhere, a concrete basement, and put in a cage. And he would, you know, just keep me as a pet or something. And that's what I remember. I remember also having a dream right after that of, like, a pig getting killed. It was really weird. Like, a little kid should not be dreaming these things, but I was. And then I just remembered, you know, my brother would come in and rescue me from the cage and lead me back home. And I had this dream for several nights. I probably had it for several months at a time. It was the same dream, same thing over and over again. And what these psychic suggestions and influences do is that sometimes these extraterrestrials modify your brain or your own brain tries to interpret what you went through. And... I'm starting to think that I went through something traumatic and I don't even know about it, but there was only one way to tell. I would have to be hypnotized and have a regression therapy. And I don't have the money for that. I wish I did. Um, but after that, I had many, many dreams about spaceships coming to my house and waiting for me in front in the front of the house for me to come out through the door and go on board and I've only I can only remember that I've had only about four of those all my life um but I have some recent ones that made it into my journal because I this year I started writing down my dreams and my experiences with my telepathic communications with the Wolfen. So, let's see. This was 3-18-2020. I had a dream. This is one of my more recent ones. I had a dream that, you know, there was a little, a little gray alien that came into my room. And I guess hopped on my chair and was staring at me. And I was very annoyed with it. I felt like maybe I was even mad with it. And I remember grabbing him by the neck or the arms. And he was like a lifeless doll in my hand. And I basically, I, I walked over in like anger, like trudging over to my parents' bedroom, and I remember just yelling at what I thought was my dad in bed, just under the covers, just a mound under the covers, and I just remember screaming at him saying, see, they're real, don't you see? Um, Let's see, he didn't, I, I wrote down that he didn't breathe like a human, like he just didn't breathe, like he just had that doll-like feel to him, like there wasn't any soul there for some reason. Um, I, and I wrote down, I, I wrote down that I said, see, see, I don't trust Gray's dad, look, and he didn't move or anything, but then... 
the next thing that my dream cuts to is me being in a room full of humans just going about their business or day. I don't remember exactly what they were doing, but I was going around talking to them as if, like, they didn't hear me, they were ignoring me, or not believing me, and I just remember going around telling them, you know, they're real, they're real, you know, you guys are being really dumb or just getting really angry with them, and because they weren't believing me, um, some of them weren't, there, there was, like, one or two that were in shock, like, as to my behavior, not, like, as to what I was saying, and I just remember approaching, like, two, like, a group of two or three people and screaming at them, you know, saying, this is what I know, this is what I'm going to tell you, and you gotta listen to me, how could you not see, you're all brainwashed, you're asleep, and next thing I know, there's... Kind of like, if you think about it, like, from the movie Predator, where the invisible, like, uh, Predator, the way that looks, with a little, like, uh, just like a saran wrap, like, clear figure, I had that where it was in the shape of a reptilian, and I could just see, like, a outline, invisible outline of them, walked up to me and just angrily like not angrily but actually I like I took it as anger or annoyance but I think it was just because he didn't know his own strength he took me and kind of yanked me away from there and I was so worked up I remember I, I even wrote down saying uh I remember just glaring at him and saying you will not eat me you will not abuse me you will not do this to me anymore and next thing I remember he lowered his head to where I felt like he wanted to nuzzle the top of my head or cheek with his nose like you know like just either is like assurance like a gesture of affection and he's still leading me roughly away. So, like, I, now that I, after I wrote it down, I realized, you know, maybe he wasn't realizing how much strength he had. Because they are significantly stronger than humans. And so, like, I just remember he stood taller than me enough where he had to lean down just a bit to have his nose touch my head. And... All of a sudden, like, when he did that, my anger just melted away, like, really fast. Like, as if I was never angry to begin with. And I just remember feeling compelled to just reach up and generally, like, grab or stroke the back of his neck or head. Like, kind of like in an embrace, like, you know, I guess the best you could describe is like a hug is what we did. And that's when I felt like a wave of love. I don't know if it was romantic or familial love, but I felt it was like something between the two or one or the other. And 
I felt a sense of attraction towards him, but it was more like that, now that I really think about it, <clears throat> I think it was more of a sense of familiarity and, like, this is someone that I know that is a part of my family, so to speak, and I feel like I was gravitated towards him. And I felt like it was it was a it was a he it was a male, and I also just remember that being a brief feeling inside of me, and then I felt like we knew each other and we couldn't always be around each other, but he was kind of saving me or protecting me from myself and from other people that didn't want to listen to me that I was trying to talk to. But I also felt like when he did that, I also felt like some kind of like a wave or pulse of emotion because I am to a certain degree psychic empath. So I could feel other people's emotions. So, but I just felt like he was also lonely and that he's only doing what he has to or what he's ordered to do. And I think he's tasked with uh, being like a guardian to me. And now that I really think about it, if you want to tie in my one dream with being captured by Satan, um, this is probably like, if it is real, is probably my brother, an extraterrestrial brother. Um, I feel like he liked, like in the dream, I felt like he liked it, that I was rebellious, that I was curious, and that I was also kind at the same time where, you know, I wasn't willing to be violent, but, um, I was willing to blow in all the secrets that I know. And I do believe that he watches over me to keep me out of trouble like a kid. So I feel more of a sense like even in that one dream that I had where I was put in a cage, like I felt like it was an older brother coming to take me out of the cage. And uh, the entire time for the dream, like he was invisible, but I could see the outline of him and I could feel him. And uh, I could just feel all these emotions. I can't remember all the questions I asked him, but... My, I just remember the height. My head came up to the start of his shoulders. So he wasn't very, very tall. And I just remember that the waves that kind of came from him or the energy was like happy, proud love waves. And a lot of people are describing that reptilians are not capable of love. And that simply isn't true. The negative reptilians specialize in negativity and they're raised to be that way. But there are reptilians that have joined what they call the Council of Light. And that has everything to do with starseeds. Um, they do have the ability, if you have a psychic ability, you do have the ability to project emotions. Now, the other reason why I wasn't trusting him in the dream was because... I felt that 
you know, what I was feeling could be fake because back, <laughs> here's my actual perceived experience with reptilians, though. Um, before this dream in 2017 was my first visual experience with a reptilian. But it could easily be discredited because I was under the influence of shrooms, but I took a very low dose, if that makes any sense. Uh, it was for about six months. I was with this friends of benefits type situation where I just didn't care about myself still at that point. Um, I got out of a really bad relationship. I was depressed for many years and 2017 was one of those years. And I remember it being in the summer, and it's really weird because when I met this guy, it was at a work that I that I worked at, and I'm not going to name names or anything because just for privacy, so to speak. Um, I met him at work, and I felt really down that day, and I didn't really express it or anything. And I just remember he walked up to me, he's like, are you okay? Just because I guess there was like a look on my face or something, which normally people don't ask me if I'm okay. And normally people don't notice when I'm not feeling well or stuff like that with my facial expressions. But I told him, yeah, my, my, I was involved with someone <laughs> long distance and uh, they were putting me through loops and stuff. They were playing me, so... I, uh, I just went, you know what? I'm done. I, I broke up with my boyfriend today and I'm just, I've had it. I'm done. And so this guy was like, okay, well, do you want to go out to sushi with me sometime and we'll go get some sushi? And it started from there. He paid for the whole dinner of sushi. It was so expensive. Um, but I had a fun time and we started hanging out all the time. And I just remember uh, since that night, like, I just remember having feelings for him, but I didn't care about it. And that we eventually got into a friends with benefits situation. And until one night, he's like, do you want to try shrooms with me? And I went, why not? And... I never did shrooms before, like magic mushrooms or stuff like that. I never did any psychedelic drug stuff. I never even took acid. So he's like, I'm going to give you a low dose and we're going to trip out together. And so I did that. And I just remember the entire time I had my shroom trip, uh, I could distinguish what was the trip and what was reality. For sure. Like for the first maybe 20 minutes, if anything, I couldn't. But after that, when it started leaving my system, I could. And it was at that point where when it was starting to leave my system that I just wanted to go and lay down. And, you know, I was still kind of tripping a bit where, you know, I thought it was funny just to say, hey, I just want to look at the stars, you know, in your bedroom. And he's like, Baby, there are no stars. I'm like, well, I just want to just look and relax. Well, we go into his bedroom. I'm just laying on the bed, you know, just 
gazing up at the ceiling and just kind of just letting my trip, you know, dissipate even further. And it was kind of, it was weird because I could definitely tell what was reality and what was in my head where I just, I'm a very creative person. So I'm sitting there going, you know, be nice if there's stars there, you know, I feel like, you know, I could be in a galaxy right now or something. And then I remember looking over to, or just going to say my friend, I just remember looking over to, like, in his direction. He was just standing in his room, and he starts pacing back and forth in the room, and he starts babbling on and on and on about how he was in the military, how they were giving him too many pills and immune booster shots and too many vitamins and he wasn't he was very suspicious about the military and didn't like it and that in order to get out of the military he attempted suicide to get out he slit his wrists so he was telling me how he was such a bad person that he went through all these uh experiences with uh violence and negativity and I I think I want to say he had some uh a life in a gang once and he got out and he was just rambling on and on but the entire time he was pacing back and forth in his room from one side of the room to the other and I just thought it was really weird because I saw that to me from what I was seeing, I could have sworn he was clothed before, but what I was seeing, I didn't even have my glasses on. I'm nearsighted, so I can't see things far away, but I could tell, you know, certain colors, and I can si still see features on people, even though they, they just have a fuzzy outline to them. Um, at this time, I didn't have my glasses on, but I knew he was clothed. But I wasn't seeing clothes on him, and he didn't look like himself at all. He actually, it looked like someone had a projected version of him over a glowing white neon green person that was in front of me pacing back and forth. And I realized they had, like, clawed hands. And everything, when I looked at his eyes... I don't, I couldn't see anything as, like, reptilian eyes because I'm nearsighted, remember, so I'm seeing everything blurry. I just remember where his eyes were, kind of like, uh, yellow spots there, and he had faded neon green patches on his glowing white body, and he looked naked with no tail or anything, just not human looking. And it was very hard writing this down in my book because I felt like I didn't want to remember it for some reason because it creeped me out so bad because at the time I wasn't even thinking about aliens. I wasn't thinking about reptilians. This was a time where I was thinking more about, you know, what I was going to do for work the next day or uh, where I was going to go fishing next, you know. I wasn't thinking about paranormal shit. Pardon my French. <laughs> uh, 
don't know, this, this makes me nervous to talk about because I don't, honestly, I don't know, I don't, uh, like, a very strong, I would say 80% of me says it wasn't the shrooms because I, I could distinguish reality from the trip. And yet this situation made me think, you know, am I tripping? Am I on drugs or something? And the more, like, I was staring at him, I just remember the more I was staring at him, the more I was noticing this, I noticed the more and more nervous he got or anxiety he got and the faster he paced and the more ramblings he did. I just remember he was very extremely anxious the more and more I was just looking at him. And I remember that I wasn't even asking him stuff. Uh, if I did talk to him, it was probably only a couple words, you know, in reply to, like, his questions or something. But that's all I remember for that night. I just remember we casually eventually just went to bed and went to sleep. And it was after that, I noticed after that instant that uh that episode that um that he started getting we started getting more argumentative we started had a, having more clashes um and then when we broke up if you want to call it that or parted ways I decided not to ever see him again or have anything to do with him again but the moment I did that I remember not having any feelings towards him whatsoever. I remember not having any attachments whatsoever. Normally it lingers for me when I break up with someone, no matter what status of relationship I am with them, whether it's friendship or romantic or in between. And it just, it was like someone shut a light off. And so I've had that experience on my mind for the longest time. I wanted to put the, that into an episode. And, uh, honestly, I do not miss the guy. He was very, very negative. And it seemed like the more and more we argued, the more and more, like, happier he got. It was really weird. Um, also, I remember him always telling me, Oh, I can't take you seriously. I can never take you seriously for anything that I talked about. Even if it was serious about like, oh, is tomorrow Wednesday? You know, stuff like that. Like, he would still say stuff like that, saying, I can't take you seriously. And it was for everything and anything. And what they describe in many other experiences with reptilians is that they feed off of your energy they feed off of blood, they feed off of suffering, they feed off of fear, they feed off of uh, anxiety, anger, conflict, that sort of thing. So when I researched reptilians again, actually this year, I realized that's, that's something that I went through and it doesn't, you can't put all these two or two together unless you actually look at everything at a whole. Um... I also want to say that I've also encountered maybe a couple more reptilians since then.
from what I what I feel are reptilians. Since 2017, I believe I've encountered maybe two or three more people. So in four years, because it's 2020, in four years I've encountered probably two or three individuals that reacted the same exact way as he did. As the guy that I was talking about that I saw as a reptilian. Um, it literally looks like a hologram over a being. I kid you not. That's what everyone says in their experiences. And I've always been skeptical until I see it myself kind of person. And I'm telling you that's what I experienced. And these people that approached me. I noticed that they've always approached, these are strangers that I know nothing about, that I don't even know personally, that I encounter either out on the street or at work. And all these people always approach me when there's barely anyone around me. Um, also, I can't ever find them again. They always find me. There's only one individual that has found me a few times at work. She says she works at my work, but um, I can never find her. I can never encounter her. Um, I've tried to figure out what shift she's on and everything. I, I can't find her, but yet several people know her, but yet I can't find her. I can't, like, even if I stayed at work, I probably couldn't even find her. It's really weird. Um... These individuals, when I talk to them, they approach me first and they start talking to me first and they always talk about how I have to have faith in God. I have to have uh, faith in this about Christianity. If I do this, I sin. If I do that, I'll go to heaven. I gotta be a good person. Um, or they try to tell me, you know, don't worship false idols. Like, extreme Christian viewpoints. And they're, like, kind of pushing them on me. Or they're talking about psychic relations. But every time they're talking to me, they are extremely anxious feeling. And they're talking super fast to me. To the point where I feel like they're going to start screaming at me. Or I'm making them feel scared for some reason. And it's really weird. It's, it's tough to describe or pinpoint the reason why or why they approach me. I do not know. But it's been at least two or three individuals within the past four years. And also when they're extremely anxious, I notice little faded green spotches on their face starts to form and it's really weird and I notice it's only when they're really anxious and really like antsy feeling in their voice and then they leave once like I notice that starts forming on the face then they go oh I gotta get up and do this or I gotta go and I'm like okay and I think it's really weird I do not know for sure 100% without a doubt whether they're reptilians, but it's very similar to what I experienced with that one friend of mine that I had. And it's ever since I had that experience with him 
that I've seen that. And for these experiences with these two or three individuals, I was not under the influence of any drug. I assure you that the one and only time I took shrooms was literally the only time I took shrooms in 2017. Um, I do not take psychedelic substances anymore since then. I do not take... Uh, I do not smoke marijuana since then. I smoked marijuana like maybe once a month back then. So that's still not enough to really influence my brain enough. Um, nowadays I'm on CBD so it doesn't have any psychic or psychedelic uh, properties to it. So it doesn't affect your brain. If anything it affects hormones a little bit. Um... But other than that, I, I'm not under the influence of alcohol. I'm not under the influence of anything that's mind-altering. So when I see these people with green splotches on their face, I'm perfectly sober. And I always drink water for the most part. So that's the other thing that's really fishy about this. And I'm chalking it up into my reptilian experience. So that's what I wanted to share with you guys. And I'm not sure what else to cover about about uh, more reptilian stuff, but uh, let me tell you, there, there are good ones out there. There's just not that many good ones out there. There's a lot of bad ones out there on, on planet Earth, um, but many of them are converting over to, let's say, what they call the light side of things because they're realizing that Humanity doesn't want to be enslaved or ruled, and that's what the negative reptilians or draconians are losing, is they're losing their hold over many of the people of Earth. They're basically, a lot of people describe them as like the fleas of the universe. They're leeches of the universe. They have to feed off of you in order to survive. And when you're not feeding them, they're going to start dying off or trying to find better means to influence you. And let me tell you, they're exactly right on that point. Um, I don't know, like, there, there's something about this whole subject that, you know, people gravitate towards with uh, conspiracy theories and alien abduction and contactee stories and... Uh, you gotta question whether or not some of this is real, what's true about it, what's the real deal about it, and let me just let you know now, if you're a person that's listening to this, and you've had a personal experience with one, or you have experiences with one, or you're just a listener that has no experiences with one, I just wanted to let you know that this podcast isn't designed to strike fear into you. It's just to help you understand further more information. That you're not alone out there. You're not the only one that has experiences. You're not actually, if you're not actually vulnerable, it's more of you put yourself to be vulnerable towards these negative reptilians. They just utilize whatever negativity you project and and embody like even if you're sitting there and thinking neg negative thoughts about yourself they feed off of that 
if you are abusive towards someone, whether it's emotional or physical or verbally, they feed off of that. Um, but right now, with what's going on in the news, with everything that is going on in the background, they do have an influence in that. They're getting desperate. That's why there's so much negativity in the world right now. Um, they, th this is their, not a final push, but this is a bigger push than they ever done in many years to, in an effort to survive off of the negativity that humans can project. And humans can project emotions and energies that they can't. They need our energies in order to survive in their dimension. They, they supposedly can't live in a different dimension, which I believe because when I mentioned earlier that they're often mistaken as demons and God and Satan, I'm not disregarding your, re your beliefs in your own religion, but I've come to find through research and personal experiences for sure that they revel off of control and they do use religion, economy, and governments to control people. They do use the system of money or enslavement. They use different systems of enslavement to keep people in control. And it's very subtle and it's always in plain sight. And I know it's very controversial to talk like this. You may or may not agree with it. That's okay. That's why we're here. We're here to have an open mind. But I just want to say that there are some good ones out there. Like I keep saying, there's good ones out there. They literally are trying not to be... I feel like they're trying not to be on Earth because of the fact that they could easily be taken by the negative group and taken back in. Um, or be killed for it. And they gotta clean up the mess that the group is creating here. And it's very unfortunate that there's so much negativity because every time someone, a human, is inducting harm towards another, whether it's social, emotional, physical, verbal, anything that is negative or an attack or a harm towards someone else, they will receive the energy from that. And it, the media is very good at generating the negativity. When you see nothing but negative stuff on the news every day, day in, day out, that affects you. It drives you to react to it or it drives you to internalize it and take it into yourself as a form of depression or anxiety. And it's very sad that that happens. But there are good ones out there. It's just the negative ones are doing a major push right now. So I encourage you to stay strong. I encourage you to acknowledge the fact that all this negativity that you see in the news, all this negativity that is spawned from other people, other beings, it doesn't have to be you. You don't have to internalize it. You don't have to project it yourself. If you actually choose love, 
or the projection of love and respect and gratitude towards another being, whether they're human or not human, you actually do have the chance of changing that person in front of you or that being in front of you. And what I found is that it's very calming. And like, like in that dream I described about the male reptilian pulling me aside and away from screaming at people and everything, he projected a love, I call it a love wave or a love pulse towards me. And that, in a sense, if you really think about it the way I described it, it actually healed me or kept me from being negative. Now, if he was a negative or bad reptilian, he would not have done that. He would have probably uh, stood by me and promoted the whole thing, or he would have uh, not have let me go around telling people stuff. He would have probably tortured me or... Uh, they're also very, uh, the negative ones are very well known for sexual encounters that are not consented. And they also deal with a lot of, like, negativity with, uh, negative situations with children. So, I mean, it, they are... The, the E.T. version of the serial killer, the murderer, the child rapist person, uh, they're just bad juju. <laughs> so, I know it's all, like, pretty dark and dank for what I shared today, but uh, I just want to let you know that the history with these people are not always cut and dry they're not always black and white there's good and there's bad it's just unfortunate that on earth there's a lot more bad than good on here and so what i'm going to do is eventually cover an episode about star seeds so you can understand them i do have a section in the discord for star seeds and extraterrestrial races so you can discover more about the world of abductees, contactees, and starseeds, and extraterrestrials. You can discover a little more there. And I hope this episode was helpful in your discovery of starseeds, reptilians. And if, just remember, if you ever need a shout out towards me for either, hey, I went through this too, or I know someone that went through this too, feel free to contact me. I'd be happy to talk to you about it. I would be happy to assure you whether or not it's, you know, something that, you know, you should be concerned with or not. But if you're just having dreams, you know, where they're just dreams, you're not waking up in the night from a night terror or nightmare. I'm talking about just normal dreams and you're probably fine. But if you have night terrors and not sleeping well, I suggest, you know, address your health accordingly. But when dealing with subjects of the paranormal and extraterrestrials, yes, you need to screen yourself first for any health issues that you might have that might influence you to arrive to that conclusion. And if your doctor or counselor or psychiatrist or whoever you're going to is assuring you that you're of a sound mind, then you could take the next step 
and address the fact that you're going through something very serious, something very drastic, and something that you should consider uh, looking into. Some people don't want to look into it. That's okay. That's their choice. That's why the theme of the star seeds is humans should have and do have free will to choose what they experience and what they go through. And that's what the whole theme is. And I wanted to thank you for, again, oh, I forgot to take my vibration off. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> I use my phone to record my podcast. But yeah, I just want to let you guys know you're not alone. Thanks for joining me for Star Seeds and Reptilians. And don't forget again to follow the Discord and Anchor and Spotify Moon Medicine Force for your second episode here. So again, I'm Soul. I'm your host. It's been wonderful. Uh, just sharing my thoughts and research and my mind with you guys. Again, if you want to see some YouTube videos, join the Discord and have fun. All right, guys. Thank you.